You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the last Mountain Wire podcast. Uh, what is this, Matt? Part two of week one? That is correct. You're welcome, folks. You get two episodes. The other one was about 40-plus minutes. This will be another who knows how long. We'll see. But uh, MWWire.com is our good old website, Twitter, Facebook, all the same stuff, MWC Wire in some places. And because we didn't want a super long show, here is part two of week one. And let's just get to it, right? Do we need an, Or should we do a better introduction here? Because this seems pretty rushed. Nah, I think we, you know, we give them an introduction for part one. Let's just jump right into it. They know who you are. Just subscribe it. Tune in, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, and tell a friend, right? Tell that uh, exactly. Washington State friend you know who's from who lives in Wyoming now who's going to the game with you this weekend. Tell them exactly. to listen. They won't like my prediction, but just tell them anyway. <laughs> so let's just get into it. Stony Brook, Air Force. We have a bunch of FCS games. This is a, this is a Facebook game, correct? That is correct. One of two on the day. It's not Utah State home of Facebook, but it's still Mountain West home of Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So you did a quick preview on this game. It's, uh, again, noon kickoff. Uh, what's good about Stony Brook or what's not good about Stony Brook? Well, I mean, when you look back at their team last year, the first thing you notice is that maybe they were a little bit lucky to get to 10 wins. You know, because we, we talk about you know, overperforming or underperforming when it comes to, you know, one score games. And you know, that was a team last year, the Seawolves, that really overperformed. And and even though they took, you know, they took South Florida, you know, pretty deep into their matchup, you know, they matched up pretty well at a close loss with Maine. You know, eventually they ended the year with a loss against James Madison, and they were maybe good and not great when you really look back at what they were able to accomplish last year. And when I think about this year's projected starting lineup for the Falcons, you know, I think that that makes it a pretty decent matchup for them because, you know, some of Stony Brook's weaknesses line up pretty well with Air Force's own weaknesses. Like one of the big things I pointed out was that, you know, basically over the last several years, Air Force has been one of the worst teams in the country when it comes to just giving up big plays, you know, explosive plays, which you talk about a lot. And when you bring, when you look at what Stony Brook is bringing back, like their leading receiver, for instance, um, I'm trying to remember his name. I don't have the article in front of me, but he, there, he's, he only averaged like nine yards per catch last year. That's not that good. And yeah. And, and their <laughs> running game was okay. Like their leading runner, Donald Leotine, he only averaged 4.7 yards per carry, which is good, but not great. And so I think when you consider that the Falcons, especially, they're trying to reshuffle even late in the game, you know, there was you know news out of, you know, from Brent Brigham from the Colorado Springs for Gazette, for instance, that they're moving Kyle Floyd from a more traditional outside linebacker role to one of those newfangled linebacker you know, safety hybrids positions. You know, so they're, they're expecting him to do a little more both in coverage, you know, and defending against the run. They had to move Jeremy Fedulum to safety in order to cover for the loss of one of their safety, James Jones. So, 
you know, it's it's less than ideal maybe on some fronts, but I think that with all of the players that they have coming back, they should match up pretty well, all things considered. They should be, and there's a uh, no quarterback issue. It's an experienced guy, and it's, a, it's an FCS team too. I know it's kind of lame, but it's a team they should easily win, right? Where they should run the ball and get 300-plus yards, and maybe we'll find out who the uh, Falcons running back is in this game or their main back because it's kind of one of the big questions we have for them. Yeah, and that's the other interesting thing that I'm looking forward to watching is, you know, they have a new guy at the top of their depth chart in Joseph Saucier, and he got a lot of positive reviews out of fall camp, and they have three guys listed at tailback now, Saucier, Nolan Erickson, who played a little bit last year, and Cade Remsburg, who's a sophomore. And so it'll be really interesting to see how those three, you know, how much playing time those three are able to get. Because, I mean, we know that they're probably going to break out, you know, the fly sweep with either Ronald Cleveland or Marcus Bennett at some point. For sure. And we know that Parker Wilson at the fullback position is going to get a little bit of work. But how are those tailbacks going to respond to being thrust into, you know, live action for the first time? That's what I'm really looking forward to seeing. You know, I just noticed checking their depth chart. Um, Aaron Worthman's technically not the starter. He's technically not, no. Neither is all the Ronald... expectations are that he will. Yes. <laughs> they have, I just kind of glanced at their depth chart, with Isaiah Sanders, who did quite well last year in the game or so he played. Aaron Worthman, obviously we know who he is. But then fullback has uh, tri-starters, three guys listed out there. Brad Receiver is mm-hmm. a bunch of oars. Um, it's against Stony Brook. It doesn't really matter. They'll all play a ton. But we know who the starters are, right? They would have, uh, well, maybe they wouldn't say anything because it is Air Force and we don't know who their defensive coordinator is either, so who knows what secrets are trying they, to keep. They still don't technically have one. Or they haven't named like, it. I, I don't know if you read the uh, Brigham's article recently, but all signs are pointing to their defensive back coach, John Radzinski. Uh, I thought it would be their assistant head coach, perhaps. I guess not. But if you look at their but if you look at their game notes, they still don't have anybody listed. Does it does that matter to you? Do you care? I mean, if they think they can work with it, I mean, coaching staffs are big enough where maybe it doesn't matter. Guess so. It's like when I have five, who knows what they're doing? We'll see. We'll see if it works. I don't, we won't know if it works or not this game just because it's, is a Stony Brook, but this should be an easy win by 20 plus points, right? I don't know if it would be 20 plus, but I would expect them to win by about two touchdowns at at a minimum. All right. There's no line. So I guess we got to go straight up and say victory for the Falcons, right? Go Zoomies. Exactly. And black uniforms this week. So Aztec fans, get over yourself. It's okay if another team uses black. Every team uses black, but that's because every team looks good in black. There, pretty much. Uh, yeah, there's probably not a team that doesn't. So, All right, so let's go to the next game. We're going in chronological order. This is, as I mentioned last part one, this is the one I'm looking forward to the most. Washington State at Wyoming. It's on, don't pay attention to the Pac-12 Twitter account because they got this game wrong. It's CBS Sports Network. Not CBS, CBS Sports Network as well. <laughs> it's a one thirty local time. Washington State is now just a one point favorite. That's interesting. Oh, actually, no. Excuse me. Pick them at the moment. Sorry. No, it's it's changed from minus three for Washington State to a pick them. Just now. So, what do you think is what do you think has driven that change? Just off the top of your head. Uh, Wyoming's played a game. They've seen the defense is really good. That would make the most sense to me. I don't have the date That's true. on here. <laughs> That's probably true. Because yeah. he, you look at the line, it started at 3 on 827. When was the game? So it would have been, what was the actual date of the game um, last week? Would have been the 24th? Uh, it would have been the 25th. 25th. So this line was 3.5 on the 27th. So after the game, it didn't start moving with obviously people putting money on Wyoming a couple days later at, let's see, 
not till like the 27th and uh, 28th and 29th. It's kind of been shifting toward Wyoming. But it, it makes sense, right? They should be – they're at home. Their defense looks really good, and they showed they have a, some sort of a running game, which it was non-existent last year. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why. Is that the same reason you'd probably give? I would guess so. You know, if only because, you know, I mean, we kind of know what to expect from Wazoo at this point. But, you know, they've got like three or four guys, I think, that are listed as the starting quarterback, if I'm looking at the depth chart uh, correctly. It's going to be the, um, I talked with a guy at kookcenter.com, our good boy Jeff Nusser I've known for a couple of years, probably longer mm-hmm. than that. He said it's going to be, like, Mike Leach was being all screwy. They put four guys at the starting quarterback. It's going to be, um, oh, shoot, the guy from Is East Carolina. Like Gardner Minshew? Yeah, yeah, I was trying to think of the name. Gardner Minshew. He's going to be the starter. It's no questions. It's going to be a Mike Leach is just trying to be silly. So, so I mean, I guess the big question is, you know, we saw one of the big stories from last week was that Wyoming's defensive line dominated the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you look at, when you look at Wazoo's offensive line, you can see a lot of experience there, but they do have a couple of underclassmen that, you know, when you're thinking about the stars on this on this defense, you know, Carl Granderson might be lining up. They might move him around to line up against a redshirt freshman, right tackle Abraham Lucas. And, you know, maybe there's a chance that, you know, the center of Frederick Mau- Mauigua and Liam Ryan, a redshirt sophomore, Maybe they have to double team Johanna Guy fan more often than they'd like. So I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see whether Wyoming can kind of pull the same trick they did last week on defense because they're obviously they're facing a they're facing an offense that's similar in a lot of ways. But I mean, make no mistake, this is one of the most pass. This was the most pass heavy offense in the country last year. Well, they also have better talent too. Yeah, and I really don't expect like even though they're losing Luke Falk from last year. I really don't expect them to do anything different than what we know them to do in the past several years. Yeah, one cool note when I was talking with Jeff, again, that's one of our other prior podcasts I did earlier in the week. We're trying to do a couple of those, chatting with various opponents. He mentioned, um, we know Matt Mummy, who's the, uh, he's with Nevada. Mm-hmm. People know who, is his grandfather, correct? Who's a Hal Mummy? Is it, or is his dad? I forget. Whatever. The relation is, Minshew couldn't participate in a spring practice because of transfer rules and all that good stuff or bad stuff, whatever you want to look at it. He went down to the school he's coaching with with Hal Mummy to learn everything he could about this offense because that's basically what Mike Leach runs is the Mummy offense that he started back in, geez, 20, 30 years ago down in Kentucky, the DC, whatever school it was, but he went to learn as much as he could. So he's not that he, he couldn't actually play and practice during spring, but he learned as much as he could and expect him to be a fine quarterback. The one kind of issue, like one good thing, which is better than uh, like Luke Falk was, was that avoiding sacks. That was a big issue. He had sacked almost 40 times last year. Mm-hmm. And Minshew avoided the sacks, especially playing for a bad ECU team. So he's going to be a starting quarterback. It's a, he knows the offense a bit, but it is his first actual game. And then running back, they basically have nobody back who played. Well, excuse me. Apologies. I'm looking at the wrong thing here. They do have James Williams back. He'll be pretty good running the ball. But receiving group was asking Jeff, like, how are they going to be? Because they had 70 catches from, like, uh, Tavarius Martin. He doesn't expect to have a guy to have, like, 75 catches. But there could be, like, eight guys who have, like, 30 to 60 catches. Mm-hmm. And so what the, he says what they probably will do offensively in passing is and may, and they may not – they'll have a starting unit, but they may go sub in three or four out on any given play. And so that could be an issue where they'll have more fresh guys and 
while they don't necessarily go fast, they will set up quickly so you can't sub, which hurts them too a little bit if they're not if they're going to line up because you can't sub once you're set. But they're going to go like th- bring in three or four guys at a time, swapping those guys out to try to gas this one on defense because their secondary is good. But how deep are they if Washington State's going to run four guys out there, maybe five guys out there for most of the game? Yeah, and I mean, conversely, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Washington State defense holds up against an offense that looked a lot better than they did at stretches last year. You know, one of the things that stands out to me in kind of looking at the projected starting lineup is there's a lot of new faces in that front seven. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm, I'm curious as to how good the running game will have to be, you know, in order to kind of keep, not only keep this Washington State offense off the field, but to, you know, give themselves a good chance to win. Like, even if they don't convert you know, all of their drives, like even if they have to settle for three points more, you know, rather than seven more often than they did last week, you know, we kind of know they're going to want to run between the tackles. So I guess my question is, you know, what percentage of last week's running game is going to need to show up in order for them to win comfortably? Like what, if, they, if they're not running for 300 yards. Wait, not just win, but win comfortably, you say? Yeah, let's say, and let's define that as being, I don't know, like seven, seven to 10 points. Hmm. I would say comfort, comfortable win is more than 10. But for them to just win the game, I'd say they have to have at least 100 yards in the ground, preferably by one player. But I don't, I think 100, I'll say 125 total yards on the ground. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I think that's good. That's not great, but that's good enough, right? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a really good test. To spend, you know, we talked about the interior of the Washington State line. You know, the interior of Wyoming's line passed with flying colors last week, and they're going up against a pair of guys in the middle, Taylor Comfort and, and Nick Big, who those are both undersized dudes. So they're going to have a size advantage up front, which you wouldn't normally expect in a matchup between a group of five team and a power five team. So if they want to run the ball between the tackles, if they can just keep the chains moving in the same way that they did last week, they're probably not going to need a lot of explosive plays in order to win this game. And they didn't have many outside of like one. I would say, I'm looking at last year's numbers. They averaged 108 per game. Not great. I think what they need to do is get to, like, like I said, 125, but then also like 4.2 yards per game. Because last year they were at 3.17, which was dead last. And last week they were, where were they at here? The uh, 5.47. That's probably not going to happen. But get just above four. And if Tyler Vanderwall can throw reasonably well enough, 58% or so, 55%, they'll be fine. I just, the biggest thing is the defense, can they get their hands up to knock the passes down? Because they had six pass breakups last week from a variety of defenders. They need to, I don't know how many sacks they'll get because Minshew will try, probably get rid of the ball quickly because that's what this offense is for the Cougars. So get your hands up, cause some disruption on the line. That's kind of their, not their game plan, but that'll help everybody else behind them because, again, they have Marcus Epps, who's good. They have Andrew Wingard, who's really good at secondary, being the secondary guy in the, um, or you know, I mean, in the secondary, excuse me. But do they have five DBs, six DBs to rotate in after those two to consistently be as good? Like the depth is going to be questioned. And I think another thing that could possibly come into play, you know, especially if the game is close late, is I think Wyoming has an advantage on special teams too. Mm hmm. Because, you know, they're not only is Washington State having to replace their punter from last year, you know, that's another position where they have an or listed. So it could be either Oliver Graybar or Oscar the I feel like I'm gonna butcher this. Jujovich. That's okay. Go for it. The third. The third. 
And they have an or listed at kicker, too, between Blake Mazza and Jack Crane. And, you know, Crane was, you know, he got a little bit of playing time as a kickoff specialist last year. But, I mean, we kind of know that Wyoming has has pretty good special teams. Like, I, we saw Cooper Roth, for instance, you know, he didn't, you know, he didn't miss any field goals last week, obviously, but he was a pretty hits a couple pretty strong kicks, and Tim Zaleski got off to a pretty good start as well. So, you know, especially if the defense can hold them late, you know, and if they're up in one of those positions where it's like, you know, fourth and six at the Wyoming 37 or something like that, you know, that I think is going to be a situation that's going to play to Wyoming's advantage because even though Washington State isn't afraid of being aggressive. You know, with all of the the questions surrounding this offense, and with all the questions surrounding the special teams, you know, Wyoming I think is going to be looking at traps in those kinds of situations. So, what's your prediction here? I think Wyoming's going to win. They're going to win, you think? Because okay, because I mean, it's been a while since we've seen them against like a true air raid defense like this. But we saw what they did against a spread offense last week. And even though, you know, Wazoo is probably going to be a little bit better this year than New Mexico State is, you know, I just don't see how they're going to be able to keep that front four off of Minshew. And if that happens, you know, it's going to be a really long night. You know, to me, it's probably going to look a lot like the first three quarters of the Boise State game last year, where, you know, Boise basically dominated until the fourth quarter. I think that's going to happen again, but I do think the, the Cowboys defense is going to be able to play all four quarters pretty well. What's the, do you have the over under in this game in front of you? Have you, uh, you know what? I don't have that in front of me. Sorry. I, oh, I have it right here. Sorry. I was looking, staring me right in the face. 45 points over under looking at, um, team rankings and number fire. They have Wyoming as a slim, slim victor, like half a point in each, each metric there. For a final score, do you think Wyoming? Because it's twenty, basically 22, 22, 23, 23 with a half point margin for Wyoming. Do you think they could score that many points? Yeah, I don't see why not. I'm going to say Wyoming's going to win. It'll be like twenty-one fourteen. I think it's probably going to be something like twenty-four to twenty-one. Something pretty close. Okay. So, yeah. what's the official line here? If we're taking the over/under straight up, um, what, how are we figuring this out if it's <laughs> changing so much? I guess minus one, Washington State, so it doesn't matter. Wyoming, both ways. Yeah, I mean, if we, if we both think Wyoming's going to win out, right? Then and yeah. it's essentially pick them. All right, next game, UNLV at USC. Oh, boy. Uh, Pac-12 Network, if you have it. Um, if you don't, we'll have a link in the podcast and our previews to get a free trial for, like, Sling TV, who has this channel. I think Fubo as well. So, like me, who doesn't have Pac-12, I might get a free trial just to test it out and maybe see what uh, Armani Rogers does against uh, JT Daniels. It's a uh, 1 o'clock game at the uh, Coliseum there. 26 and a half points seems a lot. Because is USC, is USC, I don't think you, ah, geez, if I could speak to you today. USC is overrated because they're always overrated. And 26 points is way too much. I don't care who you're playing. Well, you know, don't tell that to USC fans. I will tell that to USC fans. <laughs> I am right now. USC fan, I'm telling you right now. You're always overrated. doesn't mean you're very good. But true second true freshman quarterback I think ever last one since what uh, Matt Barkley I believe he turned out pretty good. I believe but, he's, he's only the second one. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a joke like oh he should be in high school or something or his prom because he graduated a year early as well. Which who cares if he's good enough he's good enough to play. I don't care. It'll be a tough one for Rebels, but this is a fun game. I want to see what can happen because 
Armani Rogers taking that next step. We want to see if we put Lexington Thomas number two on our top 50 list. Can he run against this USC defense? I mean, I think he's going to, I think he's going to have to, and not only him, but Charles Williams and, and Xavier Campbell. I think if all three of them can get it going a little bit, which, you know, against a team that brings in as many four and five star guys as USC does always an open question. You know, I think that, the, the Trojans got a huge boost because they got Porter Gustin, who's apparently going to be good to go. He's an outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's only 6'5", 260, so that's no big deal. Yeah, um, <laughs> yep, I'm familiar with him. He was looking at, I think, Utah BYU a couple years ago. So Yeah, and they've got you know three big dudes up front, which you might expect from a team like USC. And, you know, Brandon Pilly and you know, Marlon Tui Pulotu, both well over 300 pounds, you know, UNLV is going to have their hands full, even though they have a lot of size up front themselves. Yeah, it's um, we know the talent that U- USC has just because heck, the USC they get any four or five star they get essentially. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. It's I don't know if they'll be able to run well because how good is this UNLV offensive line? Like, it's one thing to run well against no offense, but like even San Diego State, who's pretty good. But you know, what I mean, running against. Wyoming or not even them, but you know, I mean Hawaii. Hawaii. Let me get those teams out there. Colorado State <laughs> teams that aren't as good to do it against USC because a couple of things like you look at USC's defense. They bring back just over half, sixty, what eight percent, seven, almost seventy percent of their production, mm-hmm. and they do lose a couple on their defensive line. They do bring back most of their linebackers. So I, you're right. It's going to be the offensive line if they can get a push in. Can they when they have a was it, sorry, I'm looking at the offensive line. They're looking at their guys like, there's this guy. Is Brandon P- Peely the starter for nose tackle for USC? Uh, they have him listed with an or. Well, he's six. Yes. Well, he's six four three twenty. Yeah, just, just saying. So, <laughs> to get a push around, it's going to take a lot. And how... well, it it almost makes me wonder whether in that case they want to put the ball more in Armani Rogers' hands because we all know that he was a pretty good runner last year. I think he. You know, after you adjust for sacks, if I recall correctly, he had over seven yards per carry. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if they decide to try to keep the Trojans front seven off balance that way with some zone reads, you know, we know that they're going to have a focus on Thomas one way or the other. But, you know, it may be a little bit of inside outside between the quarterback and the running back is something that can soften things up between the tackles. Hmm. That definitely could be the case there when he if he does that because not just running but maybe mix in some play action, mix in some naked boots, mix in. Because here's the thing: USC knows they're going to want to run the ball, so they're going to try to stop mm-hmm. it. But UNLV just can't go out and start passing just because. But if they can mix in mix in with they can use his legs work. It's a play action. It's a read option. It's some bringing all two running bringing both running backs in there at the same time. They're going to not. You don't need to be creative and be goofy, but. Play to your strengths, and Rogers' legs is an element they know about as well. It's not like it's a surprise he can do this. They just need to mix up. They can't just go handoff up the middle behind the left guard or right guard or left tackle. They can't just do that. They're going to have mm-hmm. to have a pulling guard, have a tight end in motion, have something where they're going to need to get a big push. And they've proven they can run the ball. Maybe it'll work, but I think it's going to have to be to open up the passing game to lead to the running game, which is not what they want to do, but maybe they'll have to try to do that. And you, you might be right, and you know maybe that represents an opportunity because you know while they do have a couple of very very talented uh, veterans in their defensive backfield, 
you know, Marvell Tell the Third, for instance, might be one of the more underrated free safeties in the country. And Iman Marshall's, you know, they might avoid him all day, and I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> but at the other cornerback position, they do have a freshman lined up there in Greg Johnson. And so, you know, whether it's Kendall Keys or Brandon Presley lining up against him on the outside, I think it's going to be incumbent on either one of those guys to try to win that one-on-one matchup. You know, maybe all it takes is, you know, a Rodgers throws up a jump ball to Keys, and if he can go up and get it for a huge chunk of yardage, you know, that might put the USC defense on their back foot. But again, you know, if it's a 50-50 opportunity, then it's kind of anybody's guess as to whether they're going to be able to land that kind of play. All right, let's flip around real quick. What do we think about this UNLV defense against a true freshman quarterback? Because I don't care how good you are, if you never played at this level, there's going to be some sort of adjustment coming through. And it's not like the Rebels' defense has been great the past couple of years. They've been historically not very good. And again, not just, it's a dumb talent thing. USC brings back, through what, three of their five starting offensive linemen, every five-star guy out there. They're well over 300 pounds average, a couple of Pac-12 guys coming back. I don't know, can this defensive line do anything against them? Because mm-hmm. up front, they're going to be able to protect JT Daniels quite well. Yeah, and I mean, if they can't if they can't get to the quarterback, it's going to be a long afternoon. Yeah, and they lose because Ronald the, Jones as well. That was one of the biggest so. questions that the team faced basically all offseason. And, you know, I don't know whether it's, you know, the guys in the middle or the guys on the outside, they're going to have to step up. My intuition is that, you know, the guys on the outside, Jameer Outsey and Roger Mann in particular, those two guys are going to need to play out of their minds. Because I don't know if they're going to be able to penetrate in the middle as much as they might like. So, because I mentioned here, I kind of jumped the gun. Ronald Jones is gone too. He's in the NFL <laughs> doing his things, but who's going to run the ball for them? They have like nobody who with experience really. A couple guys here, 200 yards here, 300 yards here, like... Stephen Carr, Vave Melapia, I want to say. Akata Cedric Ware, that guy. Well, if you look at their depth chart, they have, you know, again, lots of oars. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm naming everybody. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Aka Cedric Ware, Malapia, and and Carr are the three who are listed at the top of the depth chart. And, you know, my guess is they probably play all three of those guys and hope one you know, gets the hot hand. They're probably hoping, you know, we're, especially, we're gonna play with the, especially with a true freshman making his first start. I think they're going to probably lean on the running game a little bit more. Do you think that Rebels can passing game do anything against this? Uh, would true freshman like? Or yeah, I'm wondering. It, it, you would think with a new guy, they'll want to do some sort of scheme that he may not seen before, and hopefully, they can make moves past that offensive line, or maybe do coverage that he's not familiar with. Mm-hmm. That would make sense, but I don't know. There's a reason he's eight. I mean, look at the uh, 24-7 composite. JT Daniels was point nine nine one nine. It's almost a perfect score there, whatever that is. <laughs> so, Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that, you know, not just any true freshman wins the job at USC. Exactly. So the line is huge. Like I mentioned, what, 26 and a half? Are you, are yes. You, I am going to say UNLV will cover but not win. I have it about the same. I mean, or it boring. wouldn't surprise me if – you know, they're able to make hail, especially on the ground early. But I just think that USC has too much talent for UNLV in order to keep up. Like the projected scores are like 44 to 20, 45, 19. I think mm-hmm. it'll be like 35, 18. 30, well, that's a word score, but like 35, 17, just over two touchdowns. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be something like, you know, my guess is it's probably a backdoor cover. Okay. <laughs> so I would say, you know, USC 45, UNLV 20. 
that does not cover. It's actually 26. So, <laughs> Oh, really? I'm looking at, I don't, I'm looking well, no, at, if UNLV is getting 26 and that means they'd win by one. Oh, you're right. They're, sorry. Oh, I apologize. I read that. I misheard what you said. All right. So UNLV loses. They get sort of blown out, but next game, let's kind of, we need to go quickly here. We're already at 30 minutes and talk two games. That's okay. Uh, Boise state or three games. Sorry. Boise state at Troy 22 ranked ESPN news. It's a late afternoon game. People are making a big deal about heat and humidity. I say it doesn't matter too much. It's hot in Boise. It's just not humid. Well, it's hot everywhere. That's my point too. Yeah, global climate <laughs> change and all. You know what I mean? It's melt. Hey, mm-hmm. in Greenland, the ice caps are pulling apart, so it's warm everywhere, folks. That's true. There's what I'm like. Now we're done. Let's move on to football. Um, Troy. Um, they have a new quarterback. They are. Were they projected to win the Sun Belt? I think they're top three, probably. That makes the most sense without me. Looking as I don't, I have too many tabs. I don't want to crash like you had moments ago on a computer. But Troy's always yeah, a good it's team. It's basically it's basically them, App State, and Arkansas State. That makes sense. Yeah, Arkansas. Yeah, those those three teams. So last year's game was sort of interesting. Neil Brown's a great coach there in Troy. The biggest thing is I think Boise's going to win easily. There's like a our good buddy who has a Jeremy Harper at CFNs, like kind of joking. Oh, Troy will get this one. I'm like, I don't know. They lose their starting quarterback from last year. He's he's moved on. They also top two running backs. They do bring their top two receivers back. Most of the offensive line, which is going to be huge for them, but and they're all basically all Sun Belt guys too who are coming back. So that'll be a sort of a challenge for D line. But I think Troy can keep it interesting. But maybe my blow projection is wrong. But it'll be Troy's always a good team. It's, they're not going to lose by thirty points, not even twenty points. This would be a sneaky good game. People should watch just because. Troy's going to win probably at least nine games. I think any upset bid that Troy wants to make is going to depend on their defense. Yeah, but they're missing their I three best linemen more. from last year, <laughs> defense linemen. That's true. But, I mean, they're, they're bringing back a couple of starters at pretty much every level of the defense. Mm, yeah, they are. But I think more importantly, the it's going to depend more on Boise getting off to a slow start, kind of like they did in last year's game. Well, last year, remember, they brought in Cozart for some reason, which is a move I'll hate forever. Mm-hmm. So it's Brett Rippon's show. Here's the thing. Offensive line is going to be good. Madison is going to have a great year. And going up against that defensive line that misses, that's losing three, not missing, but uh, moved on, graduated from that defensive line for Troy. They have some decent recruits coming in be behind them, but it's not a situation where they're going to come in and just shut down this passing it or excuse me, rushing attack or even get to the quarterback enough to make a difference. It'll be, I think you mentioned defense. I think it'll be offense where Troy has to be like, make this game a shootout to win this one. A low scoring game benefits Boise more than Troy. I think you think so. Well, Boise's defense is really good and they have the ability. Cause I don't think, yeah, I think so. Is that too, you think that's too far fetched? No, I mean, I, maybe that just means that this game is kind of, Difficult to pin down. It is because I think both offenses are good. What I mean by that is that Troy's defense, here's the thing. If it gets to a lot, I, I see your point for both ways. If there's a lot of points for this game, it still favors Boise as well because it favors Boise all around, I'm saying. But for Troy, they're going to have to keep Boise low on the point total because, again, reasons why quarterback, new running back coming in, losing a couple receivers after their top two guys. So fewer points means the Troy defense is doing something right. You know, I think Octavius Evans is going to have to have a big game if Boise really wants to get comfortable in this game. What do you think he's going to do then against this uh, team? 
that is a very good question because I think, you know, if, if anything, Troy's strength on defense might be in its secondary because they do have, you know, a guy who was a first team Sunbelt cornerback last year in Blaze Brown, you know, he had five interceptions, six pass breakups, you know, I don't know whether, I don't know how set the Broncos are going to be on moving Evans around, but I think they expect big things of him, you know, and even though they have a bunch of other guys returning, you know, like Sean Modster and, and, and those kinds of guys, I think they expect Evans to kind of come out the gate hot. And it wouldn't surprise me if he got a lot of targets early in order to make that happen. So what's, uh, what's your projection then or prediction, I should say. I think it's going to be close for most of the game, but I do think that Boise definitely has enough to end up winning by like two touchdowns. So I'm going to say 28 to 14. Here's an interesting note. It's a 10 point line. So typically number five team rankings are pretty spot on with each other. They're pretty within like a point or two. Mm -hmm. So team rankings has Boise winning basically a 28 to 28 to 19, but the number fire has 27 to 23. Only a four, obviously, for those who can count, that's a four-point difference. <laughs> I think it'll be like Boise by two touchdowns, like 34 or 20, and cover the point, the line as well, which is at 48. All right. And they'll be 1-0 and and be in the top 20. They should have been in the top 20 already, but and, whatever. And Fresno and San Diego State should be ranked as well, so. That too. Next game, Incarnate Word at New Mexico. The rare ESPN three, not ESPN plus game, which means if you have an ESPN, if you get ESPN, you can get this game for no extra charge. Just to make that clear, because ESPN plus is blowing up apparently everywhere. Interesting. Yes. Did you not know that? I I don't know. I just kind of thought that they got rid of ESPN three. Not entirely, because that's what. Well, you would think they would, because like Ivy and some Sun Belt and stuff signed deals to be ESPN plus at five bucks a month, or. Just get do what I do. Get Insider, get a magazine. You get ESPN Plus included now. So there you go. Ooh, okay. Now I might have to reconsider. Oh, yeah. That, I did I, not know that. They just changed that like last week because I did my trial for Plus. I'm like, I'll just get it because there's a few shows I like on there. Like, uh, what is it? I'll take that bed. The fantasy show, I watch that a little bit. And there's a mm-hmm. whatever. And whatever. I'm like, I'll give it a try. But then I've always had an Insider because I get a magazine, which is usually 30 bucks a year. It's pretty cheap. It includes the Insider. And now it includes the plus. So if you get the magazine, flip through it, maybe just chuck it every month, every other month like I do sometimes. So I'm like, okay, whatever. You'll get it. So check it out. It's pretty cool. There's some decent stuff on there. But this game, New Mexico named the starting quarterback recently. Uh, I can never say his name. Can you pronounce his name for me? Tuiatu? Uh, that would be Tavaka Tuioti. Tavaka Tuioti. I need to practice. Tavaka Tuioti. Tavaka Tuioti. All right. It's afternoon game, 6 p.m. Or evening game, excuse me, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. I see no line on Pick Center. Is there a line on Odd Shark? Have you discovered one yet? Uh, I didn't see one earlier. I don't think that there is. So with this team, not we're not going to talk Bob Davey, what's going on with him, because there's issues going on. The offense is what I really want to see because it's Calvin McGee, former Arizona co-offensive coordinator with Rich Rodriguez. They say they're moving away a little bit from what they were doing before, which was, I love their offense, running attack, diamond attack, trip, you know what I mean, triple option, run option. Mm-hmm. Zero backfield, four backfield guys in the backfield essentially to more of a because they recruited all these receivers recently too. Like we want to pass more, so cross my fingers maybe a Throwbos could make a return. Matt hashtag Throwbos maybe they want to throw the ball a little bit and maybe actually have not a traditional offense but more of a sort of a kind of a not a spread but 
at least incorporate more wide receivers in this game, whether they run the similar plays. But it may not be like that diamond formation with three backs every time. Well, I mean, if they want to throw more, I hope they're better at it because they were lousy last year. Hey, the QB right now nearly had led to come back versus New Mexico State last year, and that's where we had throwbos coming in. But you're right. Yeah, but at the same time, on the year, he completed under 50% of his passes. Exactly. That's why we went away from it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. But, you know, I think that this is a good matchup for New Mexico, if only because, you know, let's let's not beat around the bush. UIW sucked last year. <laughs> and they, you know, they have a very veteran defense, but, you know, it's a defense that coughed up a lot of yardage last year. And so, you know, if the Lobos want to be able to throw the ball, I think it's worth pointing out that, you know, Incarnate Ward's defense last year, do you know how many yards per catch they allowed last year? 19. That's a, that's a, (laughs) sorry, realistic, realistic answer. I'll say basically a first down around 10. No, it was 15.3. Oh, I was closer than I thought. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was right around nine and a half yards per attempt, which basically would have been, you know, if you look at FBS teams, that would have been one of the worst figures in the country. Jeez. So, you know, if they want to throw the ball more, if they want to get the ball to guys like Jay Griffin and Delane Hart-Johnson a little more often than they have in years past, I, I just really hope they're better about doing it because this is a defense that I think you know, they're going to be able to give up a lot of ground. Also, one other thing I want to realize too, like if they pass more, it'd be great, but I want to know who the breakout running back is going to be for the Lobos. Because last year they didn't, I know it's probably Tyrone Owens, but they have a Juco guy they like quite a bit. But I want to see going back to like Richard McCorley, those type of running backs where they beat Boise State and were rushing for 350 a game. Not that they'll do that, but I want to see who's the main back and be better than last year because last year they took a huge step back from their offense, running the ball. Well, right now they do have Tyrone Owens, and they also have David Vigilant mm, as yep. the kind of co-starters at, at running mm-hmm. back. So I, I bet both will play a lot, and I want to see what they do. And so, But I think Lobo should win by a couple touchdowns maybe. Yeah, I think they'll probably will. Because Incarnate Word is terrible. So let's move on. Next game, Idaho, newly FCS Idaho at your Fresno State Bulldogs. Um you, you're not going to be at this game, correct? You are doing stuff this weekend, correct? You are busy? Unfortunately, I will not be, no. Would you have gone to this game if you could have? Yeah, of course. Just making sure. It is football. Is this a Facebook game as well, I believe, or watch stadium game or both? It is a Facebook game. All right, so it's 7 Pacific. Like I said, newly minted FCS Big Sky Idaho. Fresno State now has to pay to have them come to town, like $175,000. <laughs> Which, whatever, it is what it is. So... You're the expert in Fresno State. It's going to be hot, 94 degrees there in the valley. Bring your umbrella. Bring, well, I guess evening game shouldn't be too hot, but I know how it is. It could still be very hot, right? Yeah, all, pretty much. All the time, right? It's never There's never a cool period, is there? <laughs> I think there's maybe two weeks in February where it's cool. Gotcha. So yeah. what I want to see for this game, like I know still going to, they still have some talent because they were FBS last year. So it's not going to be like Incarnate Word or a bad FCS team. They'll be pretty competitive, even at an FBS level. But Fresno, they're, they should be ranked. They're close with some votes in some of the polls. Only one of the two, I believe. The coaches' poll was nice. AP poll shut him out. Um, Marcus McMarion, big game. I want to see him throw the ball well because I want to see. I've uh, I'm stalling here because I'm trying to think of what to say. Apologies here, but I've said before this offense will take like a huge jump. I want to see it start right away. 
I mean, mostly what I want to see from this game is kind of the the opening arguments, if you will, in how they address their kind of biggest questions from the offseason. And to me, that comes down to maybe two or three big things. One, you know, how is the defensive line going to perform? Because I think they come into a situation against this Idaho team where, you know, they do have three starters back on the interior, but they're replacing both of their tackles. And, you know, one of the tackles is a true freshman, Logan Floyd. And so, you know, they have, you know, Emeka Endo, who's back. He was one of the team's leaders in sacks last year, but most of his production came in one game. You know, there's every indication that he played pretty well throughout fall camp. So I'm looking forward to what he and Michael Walker, who secured the other defensive end spot, you know, what they can do. And as well as, well as the guys behind them, you know, Kwame Jones saw a little bit of playing time last year. He's probably going to get a lot of playing time in this game. You know, him and Alex Cruz, you know, those four guys, I want to see what they can do against, you know, what I perceive to be kind of a weakness of the side of the whole offense. I want to see them put pressure on the quarterback. And that kind of holds true for the inside guys as well. I want to see what J- uh, Jasad Haynes and Kevin Atkins can do with a larger share of playing time. And, you know, KD Iacopo, who has been kind of a, a, a quietly heralded guy in, in camp, you know, he's now on the two deep. I want to see what he can do. I also kind of want to see what the Bulldogs do on special teams. Like if they are in a situation where they need to convert a field goal, we now know that their kicker is going to be Asa Fuller, redshirt freshman, because Jimmy Camacho was a weapon last year. You know, he kicked 25 field goals and that's not nothing. And so, you know, if they're in a situation where they can get three points, I want to see them get three points. And then the last big thing I want to see, which maybe kind of relates to what you were talking about a minute ago I want to see them get better on third downs because when I was doing research for this game and you can read my three keys to win on Friday, if you haven't listened to it by then, you know, did you realize that Fresno state was actually better in 2016 at converting third downs than they were last year? Interesting by how much, like what was the percentage wise or not total, but percentage I'm guessing, right? It was, it was about, it was, uh, I think it was 35% last year and about 38% the year before. And that is quite interesting because we know how bad they were the year before, right? Yeah, and a lot of that did come down to McMarion, if only because, you know, yeah, he was running a kind of a limited offense last year, so he was a little bit handcuffed. But when you look at what he did, especially throwing the ball, you know, he converted just 22% of third down conversions, you know, when he dropped back to pass. And, I mean, that's the kind of thing that I, I wrote that it's probably going to regress to the mean just naturally. But, you know, I want to see them convert a few third downs in the first half because I think if that can be one of those things that starts going their way, if they can put Idaho down early, that's going to make a lot of Bulldogs fans feel a lot better as non-conference play ramps up after this. So this, um, we've already mentioned what we want to see what should happen. That third down, interest that is interesting. I don't see that being a struggle in this game at all, but that is uh, something to look forward to down the road when they play better teams. Fresno State easily. I'm going to say they're going to they're just going to smoke Idaho. I think this is going to be the biggest win of the weekend by any Mountain West Ooh, team. Really? Oh yeah, more than New Mexico over Incarnate Word. I I think when I had written my my first look preview of this game, I had said 35 to 10. Too low. No, I'm going to stick with that because I, you know, I feel like even if they get out to an early lead, they're probably going to ease up a little bit, put in the second stringers. 
And, okay. you know, but I don't think that Idaho is going to be able to do much on offense. All right. Final game of the day. Navy at Hawaii. Oh, did you realize? I didn't notice. This game's on CBS Sports Network. Very nice. I thought it was a good old Spectrum, whatever. The pay-per-view island only game. Have we heard? Because last year, they, I think for part of the year, they allowed people in the mainland to watch for free. Do you know if that's the case? Uh, off the top of my head, I do not know. But it's on CBS Sports, and you want to know my bold pick for Hawaii? I may write a quick piece on this. They're going to be like 6-0 and before they play Wyoming. <laughs> that is a hot take. Hey, it, well, so you're doubling down on what we talked about in the recap last week. I am going to. Navy, cause uh, here's the thing. Navy's uh, a tough game. It's not going to be an easy victory if they get a victory at all. But we don't need to go on the schedule, but super quick. Rice, Army, Duquesne, San Jose State, come on. But what about Navy? What is Hawaii going to have to do to beat Navy? Um, stop the run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <good>. okay. <laughs> do we need Show over. <laughs> no, but no, it's um, here's the thing. They played Colorado State last week. It was just a passing fest. We saw what it was. Here's the thing that'll be um, it, it, it's seriously being having Giovanni back there, linebacker, will be huge for them to help stop this defense or offense, a triple option attack. Navy doesn't matter who's back there, a new quarterback, whoever, if it's five new running backs, doesn't matter, they'll be fine. But when they were playing Colorado State last week, the Rams have a pretty good rushing attack. And I'm, I'm trying to pull the numbers here as I talk, but it's not like Izzy Matthews had the biggest game last week either. Part of it was they needed him to, uh, or the team to pass the ball and they're down, but he only had 63 yards last week. Mm-hmm. And he's a good back. This is a completely different unit compared to the Rams, but they showed some competence in stopping the running from a pretty good running attack. Just different. I think you're right. I mean, last week was a big game for Hawaii's front four. And I think they're going to need another one, but for, like, very different reasons. You know, especially the guys in the interior, Blessman, Ta'ala, and Samuela Kuteu. Like, if they can clog up the running lanes, if they can disrupt, you know, at the point of attack, that's going to be a huge point in Hawaii's favor. Because, you know, like you said, they don't throw. Like, (laughs) they just don't. And so, you know, if they can... If they can penetrate, that's going to be big. And then, like you said, like if the linebackers play disciplined and avoid giving up chunk plays, you know that I think is going to be another point in their favor. But to me, what I'm looking to see if they can do is just get off the field, because one thing that's been in Navy's favor for you know most of the last few years is they've always been one of the best third down teams in the country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, last year they finished 15th in the country and that was their worst finish in like four years. So, you know, for as explosive as this offense looked last week, it's not going to matter if the defense is on the field for 70, 80, 90 plays at a time. So remember that? Throughout the game, rather. Well, remember the Air Force Navy game last year? Yeah. That was uh, literally nuts. <laughs> exactly. Here's what we see, too. Hawaii, are the, is this offense going to be as good as last week? Is Cole McDonald going to have four total touchdowns and 400 yards of total offense? Probably not, but could he be close? My guess is that they don't get to run as many plays, but it would not surprise me if they were as explosive. Just because, you know, one of the things that Navy struggled with last year was defending the pass. You know, they weren't especially notable in creating turnovers, and I think they ranked ninth in the in the American as far as opponents' passer rating. So I think there's an opportunity there, especially since they have two new starters back there, including a sophomore, 
at uh, at cornerback. I'm trying to remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, Micah Farrar. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they choose to pick on him a little bit, or you know maybe they choose to pick on one of their new safeties, Juan Haley. You know, to me, you know maybe this is just another instance where Cedric Bird and John Ursua are trying to wreak havoc up the middle, you know, up the hash marks and things like that, because they didn't necessarily need the guys on the outside to be that productive because the guys on the inside were like just running all over the place. And it wouldn't surprise me if that happened again. No, it would not surprise me at all. We, we've not discussed a line. It is a, how is it right? Navy really 10 and a half. It's dropped a few points. More <laughs> 14 to 10. Really? Exactly. Yeah. Is that still too high though? Is it? Am I too, am I, be honest, am I too confident with Hawaii here? Am I overlooking their deficiencies over the past couple of years? I think that there's reason to be confident. But I also think it's worth remembering that you know, Navy had a lot of bad luck in one-score games last year. So you know, even though they finished 7-6, and six, that record was pretty deceptive. And, you know, like I said, for as good as Hawaii's offense looked last week, for as good as I think it could look this week, if the defense can't get off the field, it's not going to matter because you know Navy's going to chew clock. They're going to maintain possession. They're going to score somewhere between 28 and 31 points, and they're going to keep Hawaii at bay for 60 minutes. Has the Football Outsiders S&P Plus updated yet? Um, I had seen this morning that they were putting it out later today. Okay. But I, as of right now, I do not know. Okay, because I was looking at the preseason stuff. They're giving... Navy, uh, six, what, 68% chance, 70% chance to win this game. Mm-hmm. That's, it's got to be a coin flip, but 10 points, that's – I'm wondering it's, – it's all on betting. It's not necessarily who's better or not for part of gambling and all that, the point line. But 10, I, people are moving toward Hawaii. I'm betting – like we're recording here Thursday afternoon. It'll be up sometime Thursday night. I'm betting by kickoff six points. Is that – I think that's possible. I mean, that seems very aggressive. Well, look at CSU Hawaii. That went four points in a matter of hours. But the, but here's a, here's a fun fact for you from last year's Navy team. They didn't lose a single game on the road by more than 10 points, which makes this 10.5-point line very, very clo- a very close call. But here's the thing, too. In their last 10 games, just another on top of it, against the spread, they're 4-4-2. Four, four, and two. That's true. Which they're basically, which is close. So, but I, over, but here's here's another fun fact. Dueling <laughs> facts. Three, over the last three years, they're seven and two as favorites away from home. But this is far from home, man. This isn't just going to like Houston or Stores, Connecticut, or even uh, Cincinnati. This is what six a six thousand mile trip. Something like that. Yeah. Here's the thing too, like this. Not to overstate this, but I'm not sure. I know they're, pro- they're probably in route as we speak, but this game kicks at nine Mountain Time, like midnight Eastern, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big deal. That's a difference. Could be, right? So does that mean you were committing to Hawaii winning this game? I already was before we started. Yes. Okay. All right. I think Navy's going to survive. No. Because I think it, you know, Boom. it would not surprise me. If Hawaii, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if Hawaii put together like three or four scoring drives of like ninety seconds or two minutes. 
but but Navy like held on to the ball for like forty five minutes total. It's like a 50, like 58 minute time possession. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So, you know, as as, as I think it's going to be close though. So I'm going to say thirty five twenty eight. It's going to be a real back and forth affair. I think there'll be a lot of points because you know, part of what you said, Hawaii will score quickly when they do score, and Navy will just run the ball. But then again, Navy gets break off a huge play from what we've seen. So I'm looking at the advanced numbers here really quick. So team rankings, 36, 37, 27 in favor of Navy, 40 to 20, 41, 25 for number fire. That seems a bit too high. Cause over under set at 62. Ooh, you were just above that. What'd you say? 35, 28, 35, 28, 35, 28. That's what 70 points, just about 60. You're right on the cusp there. I'm going to go 27, 24 Hawaii. And Rolovich will not be dumb and kick the kicks when they're available for extra points. By the way, did you happen to mention the S&P picks? The, like, the, the ones from today? The new ones, Is are they, they out or not? Yeah, they have they have Navy winning 38-23. Oh, I did not see that one, no. What was that, so at Football Outsiders? They have Navy, they have Navy uh, covering the 10-point spread. Oh, they did put them earlier this morning. There it is, FEI preseason projections. Or is that football, NFL? No, nope, that's college or whatever. I'll look at this later because I'm I'm gonna get sucked if I look at this now as we're finishing up here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like charts, numbers, football, one third, one twenty nine. Love numbers. Yes, it's a it's a good thing to do. I'm gonna save this page in my pocket right now. Click. Um, oh, fun fun fact though, they have Air Force and Stony Brook tied at thirty one. What? <laughs> no way. S and plus. No, I'm serious. Is it the FEI post you're looking at? No, I'm looking at uh, Bill Connolly's F. Uh, SB Nation post. Oh, he just must have just posted it. I didn't see it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about that. Bill, afterwards. what are you doing? I'll talk to you later about this because I'm not seeing it. So let's move on here. So that's it. I picked Navy to lose, Hawaii to win, to be 2 0. The quest for 6 0 before October is in full force for me. <laughs> that's going to be a fun game to watch, though. I hope everybody stays up past their bedtime. I, are you going to be able to tune into this game? I'm certainly going to try. Try. All right. So you have Hulu and the DVR set up, right? Possibly? Yes. All right. So everybody watch this game. We'll figure out what we're doing for a recap podcast because you're gone. I'm going to try to figure things out. I was thinking, how about this maybe? I'm going to email all of our contributors and maybe have a couple on for like five minutes each possibly. It's a good idea. Partly because there's 12 games and I cannot watch all 12 of these games. Officially, I cannot no matter what if I want to because tonight San Jose State UC Davis is not on TV. So... It was impossible anyway. That's a very good point, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. There'll be some sort of recap. Um, but thanks for listening. MWR.com is our good old website. Make sure to listen to part one for the uh, Friday games and Thursday games. So hopefully get to that soon. And, uh, yeah, subscribe. Tell some friends. Blog Talk Radio. Tune in. Stitcher. Spreaker. And we made it officially the real week one. Not, excuse me. Week Full slate is week one. is here. And we guide you through the off season. And now go watch your team and... Have fun. That's all that matters. Just have fun. If your team loses, don't break a TV or something. Okay? Yeah. All right, folks. We'll see you next time on uh, – yeah, next time. Later. <laughs>